Welcome to the Great Canadian Leadership Podcast brought to you by the Great Canadian Training and Consulting Company. I'm your host, Joel Silverstone. This is the final episode of our significant four podcast series on navigating difficult conversations. So don't forget to go back and listen to episodes 16, 17, 18 if you would like the full path. Today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you the tips and some tools to help you feel more comfortable with these challenging conversations. Here's the thing. Are you getting ready to have a difficult conversation? Can you see one possibly coming your way? Are you dreading it? Yeah, nobody really enjoys it. In fact, 90% of the time, you have a normal routine conversation, and then there's that 10% of the time where it's that moment where you or the other person they say or does something irrational or we're triggered and we're in a difficult conversation. Well, in this episode you're about to listen to, we're going to try something different here. You're going to hear some reenactments of these pivotal moments. And as you listen to these scenes, use this opportunity to gain a better understanding of missed opportunities on how you can use that difficult conversation to create more trust deepen that relationship, maybe even build collaboration. And I'll be offering play-by-play analysis before and after the scenes. A big thank you to Melanie Ziltner, Jim Irons, and Max Silverstone for bringing the scenarios to life with your talented voices. So how to get more comfortable with the uncomfortable by building your awareness for these subtle moments and where you can shift the conversation. When we're in that difficult conversation, and what I'm about to share here might sound familiar, we never think it's us. It's that other person. Why are they being so difficult? Don't they get me? Why aren't they trying to collaborate to try to save this? Why aren't they understanding my point of view? Well, as you heard that, you're probably realizing, huh, all those same questions that I'm asking myself, the other person is probably asking themselves the same questions about us. So two things here. One, if we're both pushing, then that means that one of us has to be the adult in this relationship. And since you're listening to this podcast and the other person may not be, that means, ta-da, you're the adult here. Drop your ego. Because here's the question. Is winning more important than the relationship you're in? What did you win? How does the other person feel. So here's number two, shift your focus now on the intention instead of trying to win the argument. What do you want from this relationship? So in other words, where can there be collaboration? Where can you maybe find some middle, maybe some common ground, maybe a mutual purpose? And it could sound something like, we're both arguing about who's responsible for the PowerPoint deck. We can agree that we both want this project to be successful. So can we start there and see what we can do so that this is fair for the both of us? And I'm going to borrow from the book of Getting to Yes, which is a book that's about 40 years old. And this is a book about negotiation skills. And I'm going to paraphrase one of the things that they say in the book. And this is what I'm going to say to you is soft on the person, hard on the problem. And what that means is we're often hard on the person and maybe sugarcoat the the problem. But if we think about that other person, that they're also a human being, that they also have needs and feelings, um, 
let's think about how can I bring more humanity into my approach and more collaboration and communication with that person so that we are looking at the problem together. And what do we want to see uh, the end result of that problem? Not necessarily who's going to win the argument, but how can this problem get to a resolution and how can we look at it together and work together versus working opposite each other? Let's talk about the heightened emotions now. So imagine this, it's Friday. You got a great weekend planned. You're maybe meeting friends or family. Maybe you've been invited to their chalet at the ski hill or their condo at the beach. And then at 4.45, you get this message from your manager. I'm on my way out, but we need to talk. Set aside 10 minutes first thing Monday morning. That's a classic example of a difficult conversation being primed because your first thought as you heard that or saw that is, oh, no. And then the spiral begins right away because you basically in your mind start writing the script. And now our mind doesn't know the difference between real or imaginary. So if we are thinking it, it must be true. And so the emotions build. There's a time frame that leads up now to what is said and what is not said, what we know and what we don't know. Friday, 9 a.m., you are feeling great. TJF, great weekend planned. Friday, 4.45, no. Now you go through that now ruined weekend. Your emotions escalate. That self-talk is in overdrive. And then when you go to bed Sunday night, getting ready for that Monday morning, first thing, 10 minutes, you probably bolt out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and you have what we call the dress rehearsal, which is you start writing the script for what everybody's going to say and how everything is going to unfold. You start saying to yourself, the manager's going to say this. Well, then I'm going to come back with this. And then they're going to say this. And then I'm going to say that. You've already written it all out. But wait, because we're talking about heightened emotions and we're just talking about our own emotions. What about the other person? That manager who sent that message at 445. Why did they do it so late at the end of the day? Now, let's assume it's a pivotal news, something concerning. Uh, if it was good news, great. Uh, but let's assume it's something pivotal. Well, if they sent it at that point, they're probably right now, their weekend, they're also going through a range of emotions. They're trying to avoid maybe a difficult conversation. And they're also kind of writing the scripts and trying to build themselves up. They're trying to avoid conflict. So they want to be ready for that first thing Monday morning. So what can we do in that situation? It's Monday morning. That 10 minutes is happening. The first thing. Here's the idea. We don't want to come in with a fight or flight mode. And fight or flight means that our cortisol level, our adrenaline is running at 50% higher than normal. And this is because for thousands of years, this is what we did to protect ourselves. We sense danger, danger, danger. And so we think either I'm going to be aggressive or I'm going to be uh, uh, silent, like like maybe, and maybe silent in a, in a sarcastic kind of way. I'm going to have an angry look on my face. Instead, know that your emotions are heightened and that other person's emotions are also heightened. So go in with a frame that we don't know what is being said. We don't know what to expect. So go in with an idea that I'm going, you're going to listen and be prepared for the information that you're going to receive. And this next step, if it's difficult information that you're hearing, is to self-disclose. And self-disclose means to say, I see. All right. Uh, now that I understand what the concern was, 
<laughs> I'm going to need some time to to process this. Uh, and when I say time, I can get back to you, um, you know, in 30 minutes or an hour. Because to be honest, when I heard at Friday at 4:45 that we need to talk, uh, my mind just started, you know, spiraling and wandering uh, to understand what the concern was. So I just need a few minutes to be able to process this, to be able to give you uh, a calm uh, and clear answer to that. Would that be okay? And that is showing respect. Uh, and if that other person is any decency, they will uh, accept that and appreciate that. And also appreciate that you didn't go to a fight or flight mode, that you didn't create conflict, that you want to actually have a dialogue and you need to be able to take a breather, so to speak, and get your emotions down. You need to be able to lower your temperature and you're helping lower the temperature of the other person because you're letting them know that's what I'm going to go off and do and lower my temperature so that I can we can have a uh, real conversation, a real dialogue and not a reactive conversation. I'm going to share a personal story and we're going to bring it to life in just uh, a couple of minutes. So Recently, I took the responsibility of being my son's baseball coach. He plays at a higher level. So I, I had to go through all the training and all that to become uh, a certified baseball coach. Now, my story is uh, I love baseball, but I never played baseball as a kid. And so I don't always know. Uh, what the intricacies of the game are, what what some of the techniques are, what some of the skills are. So the coaching courses obviously helped. But at the same time, I'm feeling a bit uh, like a fraud. I know I've got something to offer, which is to you know make the kids the best that they can be. But at the same time, I'm nervous that I'm going to be called out and going, you don't know anything about swinging the bat. You don't know anything about how to pitch a, a baseball. So that's the story that I'm telling myself as I go into my first off-season training to work with the kids. And what we're about to hear is where I ask my son, how do you think I did today after that first session? Let's listen. Okay, so uh, how do you think I did today? Um. What? Well, just sometimes you came across like a little mean. Huh? Well, it was a lot of nervous energy. And when you said to Coach Chris, that's not what we're doing right now. You know, he's just trying to give an example. And I noticed he got really quiet afterwards. Oh. Well, he was right. And that was embarrassing what he observed. That I was mean. Because in my mind... I was being supportive and everything going through the whole process, but he's right. Because of the story that I was telling myself, that if someone were to uh, question <laughs> my abilities, my skill, uh, that, uh, that I was nervous about that. And he was right. It was nervous energy. So I did snap. I was nervous. All eyes were on me. What I could have done better was simply two things. One, not react, but respond. Not react, but respond. React was what I did. Right away, emotions took over. Respond is to just wait one, two seconds. Breathe. Because that's the nervous energy that we're giving off. When we react, we're like, yeah, for sure. That's nervous energy. Respond is one, two, 
and breathe. And then you're able to be more focused because your brain has had some oxygen. And when it doesn't get that oxygen, it causes a tone of voice, it causes body language, it causes choice of words to not be the best that it can be. So give your brain oxygen, breathing, counting to two, pause. And the other part I'm going to suggest here is assume the best. The coach, the other coach, did not mean to undermine me or to show me off. The coach was trying to offer a suggestion to be helpful, uh, to support, to be involved, because as his role as the assistant coach, um, he may not always have all the responsibilities, but he wants to be involved. So he didn't realize that that's how it came across to me. That was not his intention. So let's try this again, take two, and let's hear how I put this plan into play with the coach. So Joel, it's really important for the kids to use two hands when catching and really get down here like this. Here, I'll show you. Thank you, coach. You know what? <laughs> That's a great reminder. Yeah, I agree. The other coach now feels a lot better. Uh, if I did that, he would not have gone to silence or withdraw. He would have felt heard uh, and respected. And all it took was for me to just count to two and assume the best of that person, which was their intention. And it also changes now. I don't feel that, that guilt that I lashed out at someone. Hi, I'm Joy Newhold. As the president of the Great Canadian Training Consulting Company, I want to thank you for listening and let you know that we're listening to you as well. Thanks to your feedback, we've arranged this four-part series on dealing with difficult conversations. Our Navigating Difficult Conversations series is a part of our belief at Great Canadian Training that learning to be better communicators is an important trait in the workplace. As a listener to the podcast, we've prepared a special package offer just for you. Go to greatcanadiantraining.ca slash promo. There you can sign up for one of our upcoming Conflict Be Gone, Navigating Difficult Conversations, public classes, and receive a free 30-minute one-on-one coaching session with Joel to focus on your specific needs. Our Conflict Be Gone, Navigating Difficult Conversations course helps you take a confident approach to conversations by understanding how emotional triggers affect behavior and learn techniques that encourage collaboration and build trust. And while you're on the site, make sure to check out our other courses, free resources, free webinars, and everything else we provide on topics covering both software and soft skills. But now I better let you get back to the interview. Enjoy. Now let's take it into a work situation. We've got Mel and myself. We're in a meeting. I'll give you the context here. We're in a meeting. We're co-presenting at the meeting. During that meeting, Mel does seem quite confident and, and passionate and energized because she's speaking for most of the meeting. I seemed very tentative in the meeting and I spoke sparingly. Let's hear right after the meeting, this is what we're going to call bad start, uh, what Mel and Joel are speaking about right after the meeting and this debrief afterwards. Hey, that went really well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you were really good. Um, I, I didn't say anything. Oh, come on. Don't be so hard on yourself. 
Now, as you heard, Mel is coming off the high of that meeting, very energized still, uh, and then all of a sudden realizes that uh, Joel, myself, that I'm not, something's wrong. So here's the here's the, the, the turning point. When I say, yeah, the turning point was uh, Mel all of a sudden felt uncomfortable. So she went to something what we call sugarcoating and going, oh, yo, you're really good. And obviously I wasn't good. I spoke sparingly and I was tentative in the meeting. Uh, I felt overwhelmed by Mel's energy. And when I say I didn't say anything, she said, oh, come on, don't be so hard on yourself. And it was almost condescending. So now our relationship is strained. We're off to a bad start as we are co-presenting at these meetings and obviously working on this project together. So what Mel could have done differently is what we call a self-awareness moment uh, to change the dynamics of the start. So maybe coming out of the meeting, uh, even though she's very energized, to maybe take a look at the person that's that, that's next to her, the relationship that we have. We're supposed to be collaborating on this and realize, hey, I was doing a lot of the talking in the meeting and I noticed that Joel wasn't speaking very much or maybe seemed hesitant, maybe wasn't confident, I don't know. But since we're going to be working on this together and our relationship is important that we collaborate, uh, my instinct is to say, hey, that went really well. But I'm going to maybe start with, uh, I think the meeting went well, uh, but I did notice that I was doing a lot of the talking in the meeting. And uh, I, I got, I guess I got very excited during the meeting and made it maybe challenging for you to, to step in or where to step in. And at that point, I might have gone, yeah, thank you for noticing that. And, and I do appreciate that you, that you did bring that up because I did, I started to feel, feel overwhelmed. And ML might reply to that, well, you know, that wasn't my intention. And so we start what we call getting to a dialogue. And all it took in that pivotal moment was to not be so focused on oneself, but to be focused that if we're in a relationship and even though we're in a working relationship, that if our goal, our intention is about collaboration, then how can I take what came out of that meeting and continue that idea of collaboration? Our final today is to talk about empathy because empathy you know, my 20 years of working with so many different organizations across the world, whether I'm doing sales coaching or leadership coaching or communication skills coaching, uh, difficult conversations. Whenever you ask everyone, hey, what was your, your big takeaway from today? What's your aha? Everybody always says, ah, oh, I need to empathize more. And empathy is so tricky. So let's listen to Mel and Jim uh, exchanging a small scene, and then we will talk about empathy. Ugh. Okay, these clients keep changing the dates on me. That's what clients do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I gotta figure this out. I'm here if you need me. Mm-hmm. All right, as you just heard, <laughs> Jim was obviously not being uh, empathetic. Jim was task related or we don't know what Jim's story was going on, but he didn't seem to really be all that interested or what we say in empathy, which is to acknowledge the emotions of the other person. And that's all empathy is. Jim doesn't have to go, 
I'm so sorry. I feel for you. Jim doesn't have to share the emotion, but Jim needs to be again to realize that if two people are working together or they're in a relationship, whether it be personal or work related, that there has to be give and take. And if someone is sharing an emotion and if we ignore that emotion, that person will hold on to it. Oh, I felt ignored. So all Jim has to do to show empathy is to simply acknowledge the emotion. They don't have to share it. They don't have to feel it. They don't even have to be compassionate. And that compassion is actually to simply just acknowledge that emotion and not move on to quick answers or tasks. So let's hear Mel and Jim, and let's hear Jim, uh, if you could try to be a little bit more empathetic in this one. And what we'll call this cognitive empathy, which is simply, you don't have to share that emotion, but it's simply acknowledging the emotion of the other person. Let's hear it. Ugh, okay, these clients keep changing the dates on me. Ah, uh, so frustrating. I know, right? I had everything lined up with my other clients, and then I've got some family needs. Jeez, that sounds like a lot. What can I do to be of any assistance or help? Yeah, thanks, Jim. If you could reach out to other clients with the new dates, that'll give me some time to... What a difference. I like this gym better. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim sounds natural doing it. He didn't also have to, to change uh, his personality or put on a different voice. And that's the whole point is to simply acknowledge that when Mel shares, ah, the client keeps changing the dates on me. And he took a beat and just said, ah, so frustrating. Allowed Mel to just say it, vent it lower the temperature a little bit, not come in with a quick answer. As we all know, when we've been upset, we're not looking for quick answers. We're just listening to be listened and heard. Uh, and then Mel starts to open up a little bit more. And Jim acknowledges that that's a lot going on. And then says, what can I do? Doesn't offer specific solution, but just letting Mel know that he's there to offer any assistance or help. And Mel now feels the trust to be able to involve Jim. And what they've started is they've now we talked about this at the beginning, is this opportunity to deepen the relationship or build collaboration. So as you heard these scenes today, I hope that you've seen the opportunities where you can deepen the relationship by listening, by empathizing, by assuming the best of the other person. It starts to lead to building that collaboration. And now it's time for our three stars, no trois étoiles. These are the three takeaways from today's episode that you could start to put into practice. Number three, it's empathy. And as we just heard, empathy can be cognitive, which means you don't have to share the emotion. It's simply to acknowledge how the other person is feeling. Number two, it is to assume the best. So to not assume that that other person is trying to get you or is uh, trying to undermine you, but assume the best that they don't realize that maybe that's how they're coming across. Assume the best from that person changes the dynamics of a relationship. And our number one takeaway from today's episode is be the adult in the relationship. As you just listened to this podcast, putting the all these steps together means that you are the adult in the relationship, which means drop your ego. Is it about winning or is it about the relationship and collaboration? And that is our goal as a difficult conversation, as an opportunity to deepen that relationship. So what's the next step? 
If you're not sure where to apply these three takeaways in business or maybe even in life, try this. Count to two. One, two. It's the difference between reacting or responding. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us in our search for what makes a great communicator. If you enjoyed the show, then please leave a rating or review. Even better, subscribe to the Great Canadian Leadership Podcast and make sure you don't miss another episode. Let's stay connected. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at GCT underscore CompUEs. And if you'd like more information, free resources or class schedules on everything from software to soft skills training, consulting or coaching, then go on over to greatcanadiantraining.ca. Thank you and we will see you next episode.